Hello everyone, welcome to the third episode of Let's Talk Trends. I'm Dawn, Content and Communications Lead of Lion Global Investors. Thank you so much for being with us here today. In this series, I will be chatting with investment professionals and industry experts to discuss market insights and trending topics in a casual and lighthearted manner. This podcast also aims to provide investing tips and actionable ideas for beginners looking to dip their toes into the world of finance. In this episode, I am thrilled to be joined by Brian Lim, our equity fund manager focusing on the Singapore property. Brian has been covering this space since 2009, that's more than a decade ago, so he's super experienced and has loads to share with you guys. Brian also regularly appears in webinars in regards to our Lion Philip S. Reed ETF. Welcome to this episode, Brian. Thanks, Don. Good to be here. For the purpose of this episode, we will be focusing on the Singapore residential market. Investing in Singapore property, be it physical real estate or stocks, is one of the most popular investment instruments in Singapore. Anecdotally, all of our parents or elderly or seniors always say, you must own a house. Of course, I looked into it last year, but clearly missed the boat. Despite 2021 being a pandemic year, the prices did not fall. In fact, they went up. Well, let's dive straight into the topic itself. So Brian, just to set the stage, can you give us a brief rundown of the dynamics of the Singapore residential market last year? Sure, Don. The strength of the Singapore residential market started in mid-2020 at the heights of the COVID-19 pandemic. A shortage of labour and building materials, coupled with a two-month circuit breaker, meant that a lot of HDB BTO projects had to be delayed. This is especially bad for young couples looking to pursue the Singapore dream. Buy a BTO flat and get married. Most of them are okay with the typical three to four years wait for a BTO. But if it were to be delayed by another year or two, some may feel that the wait is a bit too long, especially in terms of family planning. This pushed buyers who cannot afford to wait to enter the HDB resale market. This surge in demand helped to push HDB resale prices up. There were 82 HDB flats sold above a million dollars in 2020 and more than 260 last year. According to the data from the HDB, as a whole, the resale price index was up more than 18% from its recent trough in second quarter 2019. This sharp increase in HDB prices has helped many Singaporeans' HDB owners fulfill their upgrading dreams. This is why private home prices in the mass market OCR and RCR segments did so well over the past 18 months. Yeah, prices did go up significantly. So other than the domestic factors that you have mentioned, are there also other global factors at play? Yes, indeed. Another factor that contributed to this strength is the low interest rate environment. Central banks globally aggressively cut interest rate during the pandemic to help protect economic growth. This has helped to keep mortgage rates low. It's not difficult for a Singapore home buyer to secure a mortgage at about 1% during this period. And it's not just the low interest rate environment that is working in favour of the property market. We have been in this lockdown mode for almost two years already. Many people like myself have not been able to travel at all. The biggest perk to all this is that savings rate has improved during this period. Whatever that people will have spent travelling has all been saved up in their bank account. This has helped to redirect people's attention to look at big tickets items such as housing and cars. It's no coincidence that during this period, 
COE prices have been creeping up even as we navigate through this pandemic. You know, great point about the increased saving rates. Uh, Travelling generally is considered a very big ticket item for most households, especially if we're talking about long-haul flights. And exactly because we are not able to travel as much as we usually would before the pandemic, uh, this cash is being redirected to other avenues like cars and housing like you mentioned. Even for me, cooking at home during the circuit breaker has helped to save some money too. So I guess little things do add up. And regarding your point on low interest rates, mortgage rates in Singapore have indeed hit a low and that has encouraged many home buyers or wannabe home buyers to take action. A well-managed COVID-19 situation in Singapore has also supported employment thus far. So, well, what seems like a banner year in 2021? Or what can we expect going forward in 2022? After a strong run, we think that 2022 will be a year of consolidation for the Singapore property market. For one, there are less attractive new launches this year compared to 2021 where we saw high-profile projects such as Pasiris 8, Canning Hill Pierce, and Irwell Hill Residences hitting the market. With property developers' land bank running low, primary transactions are likely to decline year-on-year from a high base. I see. Interesting. But what does this mean for prices, though? I do expect prices to remain stable this year. Sure, there are headwinds in the market now, such as last December's cooling measures and also rising interest rates. These are likely to weigh on investors' mind. However, I believe the fundamentals of the property market remains very strong. Singapore is slowly but surely getting out of the pandemic. Our GDP growth last year was 7% and unemployment rate remains very low. This means that homeowners still have a very strong holding power to withstand an increase in mortgage rate this year. Perhaps more importantly, the demand for HDB resale flats remains very strong. We believe that the HDB upgrading phenomenon that we experienced over the past 18 months will continue thereby providing a strong platform for mass market private residential homes to remain firm this year. Well, thanks so much for this. And also at the top of many investors' mind, and we are also getting a lot of queries on our site, is the latest property cooling measures that have recently been announced. Well, I personally feel that these measures are rather comprehensive and broad-based in nature, involving both demand and supply side measures, versus previous rounds when measures are gradually stepped in. Additional stamp buyer duty, ABSD rates are raised, while the total debt servicing ratio, which is the TDSR limit, is being calibrated lower. And at the same time, land supply is also set to increase in tandem with this set of measures. That said, they seem to come pretty much in line with market expectations, So can you please briefly elaborate on them and the impact on the market? We shouldn't be too surprised by last December's cooling measures, given that the government has been highlighting its concern on rising home prices in Singapore. That said, we see that the December measures as upsized versions of existing cooling measures that have already been in place for many years. Hence, we believe the negative impact will be limited and short-term in nature. We think that the cooling measures are actually good for the property market in the long term. It stops people from being overly leveraged or buy homes that are beyond their means. So even if you see a property downturn in the future, less people will be hurt by it. What the government is trying to do is to prevent a boom and bust property market and timely intervention by what we saw in December would go a long way in doing so. Well, that's great to know. 
I think the share price correction of these property developers this time round is indeed more muted as these measures have been expected by investors since early 2021. And as you said, they are in fact good for the property market in the long term. So where's the action going to be this year? And I mean, which are the sub-segments that are going to see continued activity despite of these measures? We think the action this year will continue to be in the resale mass market segment, again driven by the continued strength of the HDB market. We expect more HDB owners to take their plunge this year and upgrade to their dream private homes. Another segment which we could see do well is the balance units of existing launches. Another segment which we think could do well is the balance units of existing launches. These are uncompleted projects that have been launched over the past two years and still have some balance units left. Given that their completion date is nearer than the brand new launches, these projects could cater to buyers who want to buy a new house but yet do not want to wait four to five years to get their keys. Furthermore, these balance units are likely to be priced more attractively compared to brand new launches given that land prices have also risen over the past two years. Well, I need to take you out for a coffee and you can give me a lowdown on these launches. On a more important note, uh, you seem to take quite a positive view on the Singapore residential market. Perhaps you could share with us the reasons behind your optimism? <laughs> well, I jumped on the bandwagon last year and bought a place. So I do not have much of a choice but to be positive. Well, jokes aside, I think there are a lot of reasons to be positive on the property market in Singapore. Firstly, we have a strong and vibrant economy. Over the years, we have successfully moved from being a manufacturing base in the early years of our independence to become a tourism and financial hub now. This has greatly benefited economy and property market, and we are not done yet. Our next leg of transformation is to become a digital economy of the future, and there is so much untapped growth in the economy. And I have no doubt that the property market will continue to prosper alongside Singapore's continual economic growth. Furthermore, to many foreigners, Singapore is clean, secure and stable. Amidst the chaos that we see in many parts of the world, Singapore looks like a safe haven. Hence, we think Singapore will remain a destination of choice for many global citizens looking for a better place to work, live and play. This provides strong demand support for housing in Singapore. Well, congrats on your place. I think I'm still missing an invite. <laughs> I think it's very true indeed. Uh, we have a very strong and vibrant economy appealing to both locals and foreigners alike. There are a few questions on the Singapore residential market that I hope to get your views on. Firstly, the anecdote that old generation always advises us to buy freehold projects versus leasehold. What's your take on it? Ah, the age-old debate between freehold and leasehold. For many people, especially the older generation, they are willing to pay a premium to buy freehold projects. They believe that there is a shortage of freehold homes in Singapore and see their homes as a legacy that can be passed down to future generations. However, if you look at the price trend, the gap between freehold and leasehold condominiums have actually narrowed, suggesting that people are less concerned about land tenure than in the past. For people looking for their own stay, they are likely to be more interested in which projects offers best in terms of location, facilities and amenities given a certain budget rather than the land tenure per se. And for investors, leasehold projects typically offer a higher yield given their lower pricing. So ultimately, it really depends on the buyer's intention and motivation in buying a house. The land tenure is an important consideration, but it's just one of many factors to take note of. Oh, that's cool. Thanks so much for sharing. 
you know, another perennial debate out there is new launch versus resale. So where do you stand? Again, it depends. Both have their pros and cons. For new launches, you get a brand new unit. Everything is new. From the aircon to the toilet bowl, you will be the first user and you do get a warranty from the developer in case of any defects. And this really appeals to people who believe that new is always better. The flip side to this is that you will have to wait. From launch date to TOP, it is likely to take about four years. So if you may need to rent a place in the interim, this is additional cost to you. Another so-called con is that new launches are typically priced at a premium to neighboring older projects. So it might not be within the budget of the buyer. And the converse is true. The waiting time to move into a resale condo is short and should be priced at a discount to nearby new launches. However, the buyer may have to spend some money to renovate the place and that do add up to the overall cost of purchasing the place. Well, it seems like buying a home is not so easy. There are plenty of factors to consider. So what's your advice for young people looking to buy their first home? Yes, your house is most likely going to be the most expensive thing that you're going to buy. And given rules such as the seller stamp duty, if you will sell within the first three years of purchase, it is a purchase that you don't want to have buyer's remorse for. I think it's important to do enough research. And it's actually quite easy these days. Websites such as Stack Homes write very useful and educational articles on the Singapore property sector. And then I think that's a good starting point. And for people like me who wants to see more visuals and graphics, you can actually search for videos produced by realtors such as Property Lim Brothers on YouTube. These are very well-made videos, which I think is a good way to learn about property market. More importantly, you need to work out the numbers, know what you can afford and buy within your means. Try not to be caught up by FOMO and start chasing unrealistic targets. You don't need to start small, but you need to start realistic. Otherwise, there will be long-term problems in the future. Bias, remorse, I like that. Uh, could be the worst feeling indeed to feel like you took a plunge into something that's totally not worth it. Well, thanks so much, Brian, for sharing your insights with us. I'm sure all of our listeners here have greatly benefited from it today. So here we are at the end of the podcast. Thank you so much to everyone for dialing in and to Brian for joining us here. We will be taking a short break next week in lieu of Chinese New Year. So I wanted to take this opportunity to wish everyone a very happy, healthy and prosperous Chinese New Year. We will be back with our next episode on 11 February. I'm Dawn from Line Global Investors. Catch you guys then. Disclaimer, this advertisement has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. This is for information only and is not a recommendation, offer or solicitation. Information is subject to change without notice and is not to be relied on as advice. Investments are not guaranteed and are subject to investment risk. For more information, please visit www.lionglobalinvestors.com.